0: Hello and welcome to the Startup Creative podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative, author of How to Start a Side Hustle, and resident business coach, serving you straight up business advice to help you start, grow, and scale the business of your dreams. Hello and welcome back to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford. And on today's episode, we have Marcus, who is the founder of Gonzo Vino, an incredible wine company which happens to be bringing back the cast wine. So if you've spotted Gonzo Vino, we'll definitely keep an eye out for it. It's really bright colored psychedelic packaging of cast wine, so about three liters. But the twist is it's incredible wine and breaking the reputation or the stigma of previous cast wines we might have grown up with. And I was lucky enough to have Marcus on the podcast. We connected on Instagram after I came across his brand and was like, this is epic. Where the hell did this idea come from and why are you doing this? So we jumped on the podcast and talked all about it and it was a really inspiring chat because Marcus is A OG entrepreneur. He was a sommelier and working in hospitality and went through what most of us go through, which is, do I really want to be doing this forever? Is this what I love to do? Is this my future? Uh, And what do I actually want to be doing? And so when he sat down to ask himself that question, Gonzo Vino came out. But it wasn't without many setbacks and challenges and different ways of pivoting the business to get it to what it is today. And I think the other really inspiring thing about this story is that Marcus has gone through many different iterations of this business, many ups and downs, successes, you know, mistakes, challenges, uh, but has this incredible mindset of making it work and sticking to it and and holding firm to the end vision uh, to the point where he has started this as a side hustle, gone full-time and now back to side hustling, uh, working really hard but still holding firm to that vision of where he wants this to be in the end. So a story from somebody who's in the thick of it, who's doing what they can every single day to make their dream a reality, and how they do that, um, as well as managing a full-time job and investing their own cash and extra spare time into making their side hustle a successful business. Enjoy the chat, check out the wine, and look forward to hearing what you think. All right. Welcome to the
1: podcast, Marcus. It's so nice to finally have you here, and cheers.
0: Thank you very much. (laughs)
1: Cheers.
2: Virtual cheers. Cheers.
1: Nice to have you here. Um, congratulations on your new wine label, yeah.
2: brand? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a new um new range this year. Um mm-hmm. and for a wine brand, it's a pretty we, we approach things in a bit of a quirky different way to most wineries and, and wine brands. Um and you know, like we would just started saying off air before we jumped yeah. on that um, you know, Gonzo Vino as a wine brand started you know, mm. in the back of my mind, almost like a bit of a joke wine brand um, yeah. and everything about it is a bit tongue-in-cheek and, and how we operate is a little bit quirky and, and random at sometimes, but at the same time, you know, it is a business, so a lot of it is quite calculated to get it into yeah. the right hands <laughs>
0: for there. people.
2: Um, but, you know, like one of the things about doing it like a, a weird kind of quirky wine brand is, um, is, is making sure that, um, you know, there's a balance between having um, enough irreverence in it that keeps the brand interesting, but making mm. sure that the back end of the business is still ticking along nicely. And yeah. I think we kind of nailed that this year. Um, yeah.
0: 2021
2: wines are on the market. It's probably the biggest, it is the biggest range that we've made. It's the best range that we've made as well. Yeah, um, And the response has been, has been really great.
1: Incredible. No, congrats. Mm. I love it. I, so I spotted it at my local wine shop and a friend of mine started a picnic rug label that was like the same colorways of all of your boxes. And I yeah. sent her a photo. I was like, you you need to do like a picnic rug wine giveaway. Like these, this is the, the wine version of your rugs. And I was like, okay. And anytime I have a podcast guest, I always try to experience the brand as like a mystery shopper and mm-hmm. see how I feel. Like, because if something grabs my attention, I'm like, oh yeah, cool. And then as soon as I don't the wine, and I will admit that my partner is more of the wine guru. So I poured her a glass and was like, what do you think? And um, she was like, it's great. It's like amazing. And um, I was like, cool. Like this, it, it drew my attention because of A, the branding, bringing back cast wine, <laughs> yeah. dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> very. Dang- yeah. I think yeah. you said your, your card, like um, not a standard drink, which yeah. can attest to. Um, yeah. Hard to, hard to gauge <laughs> and stop when it tastes we'll delicious. Just put
2: that card in, everyone gets <laughs> a handwritten note in their delivery goes yeah. out to them um yeah. by me I pack every single box myself um and everyone gets a handwritten note it's always just something funny a little bit random a little bit different but yeah. each card's printed with the words remember they're not single serves <laughs> and kind of just having a bit of fun no one with... wants
1: to hear that <laughs> well I know
2: that they're not going to heed the warning so <laughs> you know it's just one of those um defeatist kinds of um no, it's kind fun. of hidden things you know so um you know it it's great that you saw, saw them in a bottle shop, which means they're getting out there and yeah. you know, they're, they're up there in Sydney. Um, and we work yep. pretty hard to get these wines onto the market because like they are in cask yeah. and yep. we try to bring cask wine back and try to make cask yeah. wine cool again. But um, it's tough. Like it's a tough yeah. sell. It has the stigma yeah. of, you know, cheap wine. Um, yep. People have a lot of hangovers from their teenage years. Mm-hmm. I'm sure still lingering.
1: <laughs> the goon sack. Um, yeah, exactly. The the goon, you're, you're trying to rec- to repair yeah. the goon sack rep- reputation.
2: Yeah, and look, yeah. there's a lot of repair to be done. There's a yeah. lot of repair to be done. No, um, it's but you know, enough. we just tackle it year by year and make better wine than the last year. And yeah. all we can do is put it on the market and get it in front of the right people. And um, yeah, you know, every year we're getting bigger and bigger, and um, you know, the wines getting better and better, and the branding gets better and better. And yeah, um, you know, we couldn't be happier with it.
1: Yeah, so, no, congratulations! But man. I I love to hear the startup story. So let's maybe start at the beginning and and mm. tell us of yeah, what's your elevator pitch? What do you do? Where did it start? How did it come about? Yeah. Um, so it
2: start. So the whole concept around me making wine and having a wine brand all stemmed out of my working in uh, in hospitality since forever, and having this realization that um I didn't want to wake up, you know it. 35 or 40 years old and go, you know, I'm still working on a restaurant floor and, you know,
0: Mm.
2: you know, running around a restaurant, running around a hotel and, and exhausted and kind of going, you know, what am I going to do with my life? Um, And it, it, it was almost, this idea was kind of building in the back of my mind. What's my exit strategy Mm -hmm. out of hospitality, Um, Mm -hmm. but still keeping my foot in the door working with wine as a product because I studied for years and years as a sommelier and, you know, in oh, high end yeah. restaurants in Melbourne, you know, it took me to Indonesia, Japan, uh, the Great Barrier Reef, you know, all over the place. Um, and I just couldn't do it anymore on the floor at the high level. It was just so tiring. Mm. Um, and earning, you know, pittance in, in a wage, it's, it's pretty yeah. tough. So in around 2016, 17, I started to, um, started to work in in vineyards and in wineries for friends and just mm-hmm. kind of learning the other side of the trade. You know, I was all about pouring it and selling it in restaurants and doing that kind of thing. Um, but didn't really have a lot of grounding in the production side. Uh, mm-hmm. And I you know, I just approached people who I really admired in the industry and that were kind of local to me. And I, I just hit them up and said, hey, if I work for free, just kick around in the cellar, or kick around in the vineyard, can I just hang out for a couple of hours a day and I said, sure. And a couple of hours a day turned into three days a week. And then it turned into five days a week. And eventually, um, come 2018, I was working at a winery in to Peninsula and, um, you know, we're rolling around to vintage time. And I said, Hey, I've had this idea in the back of my mind to start this wine brand, but it has to be all about alternative packaging. You know, can you help me get it off the ground? And, you know, I had uh, no money. <laughs> I had no, basically, no idea about like how to market it and get it out there and, and whatever. Mm. I just had, just had this idea. And it, it started uh, basically poolside and mm. thinking, you know, how can you drink delicious wine that's made by hand and maybe a lot of love and care, but that's not in a glass bottle that's, you know, water safe. Can um, I ask and then, that
1: question though? Just I know you're on a roll there, but like, why did you want to do different packaging? In
2: 2016, 17, 18, when all of this was going on in my mind and we were thinking about what we're gonna do. When I say we, it's always just me, but um, <laughs> forced
1: to have it because it's just me. Just um, pretend we're this big company that knows yeah, what we're
2: doing. It's a bit like <laughs> that. But um, I was I was really conscious that at the time in that kind of time frame that there are a lot of ex-similiars in Australia who are exiting the industry and then going mm-hmm. into wine production. And mm-hmm. there are heaps of similiars on the market that have mm-hmm. started their own wine brand. And at the same time, I was like, you know, I want to do it too, but I don't want to be just another wine brand on the market. that's an ex-som wine that's in a bottle with a funny label. Cause there's plenty of those out there and not mm-hmm. to detract what they do, like they will make nice wine and mm-hmm. you know, they've got a market. But one of the, one of the things in my mind was how do we separate us, ourselves out of this, you know, um, this really, really big sort of saturated market, and that was having alternative packaging.
1: Um, mm. and
2: in 2018, the alternative packaging that I chose was aluminium stand-up pouches. Like you get kids' yoghurt in, like the squeezy ones. <laughs>
0: um, Dangerous. And that,
2: yeah, and that, <laughs> was, that, was, um, that was a learning lesson and a half. Like we made like about 600 litres. That was our first vintage. Um, mm. So to put in perspective, last year we did twenty thousand liters. So you know we've kind of ramped it up quite a bit in the last couple mm. of years. But you know that was all about sustainable aluminium packaging, lightweight shipping cost. Um, mm. You know you could five hundred mils is a good size for two people because um, yep. you know a bottle generally for two people is like just that much too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here's me, you know, now making three litre bottles, <laughs> yeah. some boxes of wine. Um, and so we packed it into these little 500ml stand-up pouches and put it on the market. And it was impossible to sell and nobody knew what to mm. do with it. And I was stuck with all this wine and I was like, what am I going <laughs> to do? And eventually we shifted it all. and um, and And, you know, the next year... Um, you know, we just got can, bigger. Can
1: I ask about that? Was it like was it an expensive or like a big risk to take to do that? And yeah, and then what do you do with that when you're you're in that moment where you're just like, fuck, I've got to get rid of all this this wine and not yeah. drink it myself. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> the hard over part. it by that point. <laughs>
2: they say don't get high on your own supply. I mean, I yeah. definitely drank a lot of Pinot Noir Rosé out of <laughs> aluminium bags that year.
1: <laughs> what are it's like drinking the wine while figuring out what to do with it? Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, but Look, what, like, what was
2: that... It's hard, like, you know, and everything's a financial stress when you've got no money, like, yeah. you know, and coming out of, coming out of hospitality, I wasn't exactly the most, you know, fiscally minded person, you know, going through mm-hmm. hospitals, not a lot of us are, you know, you work really hard, you work long hours, you go to the bar after work, you blow all your money and mm-hmm. you do that for 15 years and you go, oh, hang on a minute, <laughs> should have yeah. been planning for the future. <laughs> um, and so I started this venture and, and, no idea how to set up a company. I actually wrecked it and had to redo it, which cost you know <laughs> more money. Um, forked out the last of my savings for the packaging and the labels. Then you're stuck with all this wine that doesn't move, and you're like, Well, more than once, I still do it today. I'm like, Is this when I have a slow week? I'm like, Is this the right thing? Like,
0: yeah,
2: this is so stressful. Um, mm. but one of those things that, that always sits in the back of my mind is, um, You just got to find a way to push through it, yeah. And there's there's always a there's always a way to make it happen. There's Mm -hmm. always someone who want to buy your wine. There's always Mm -hmm. a market, and it's just about beating the drum and Mm -hmm. telling the story and getting it in front of the right people and Mm -hmm. and and pushing it. And you know we got through it and eventually. Mm -hmm. But a lot of that wine in 2018, and I'm still continuing these kind of relationship things in the business now. Like 2018 was, um, I got free fruit from mm-hmm. the winery I was working at. So I didn't pay for mm-hmm. the fruit for the wine because mm-hmm. um, there's no way I could have afforded it. The yeah. packaging, I get all manufactured in China. So the cost mm-hmm. per unit is really, really low. Um, and, you know, we sold it way, way, way under market value. Yeah. Um, so we made a little bit of money out of it. I think we think our first year we made about six grand Yeah. whole year. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and we just pumped all that money straight back into the business for yeah. 2019. Um, but
1: I think I, I I like that as a concept because it's also like, yeah. Sometimes in business, it's not necessarily about how quickly you can make money. It's the proof of concept, mm-hmm. and it's brand reputation and brand awareness, and yeah, and and putting something out, getting customer feedback, your feedback mm-hmm. by seeing the trends and what's working, what's not working, and then reevaluating mm-hmm. and getting better. You know, yeah. you don't, having, I having think, a
2: Oh, yeah. So having a clear vision in what you want to achieve long-term and not getting yeah. caught up on the minutiae in the day-to-day, yeah. you know, because shit goes wrong all the time. And yeah. if you get bogged down on the day-to-day stuff, it just fucks with your head. Yeah. And yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that the... Um, I can't... Oh, I'm not going to try and guess who it was, but maybe Airbnb, I, I guessed. Um, but somebody said, if, we, if you launch with the perfect product, you've launched too late. You know, right? and I think that's a really, you know, it's, it's, re- but you've got to have the guts to get something out there and take the yeah. risk. Right. And then, yeah, absolutely. and then use that as feedback and be like, cool. Well, now this is actually, we're rich in feedback of, cl- mm. ex- of real time client mm. experiences. So Yeah.
2: And, you know, all we can do, you know, is, you know, at the, I mean, this, the business basically started as direct to consumer sales. And we've now branched out to do a bit of wholesale and a bit of, you know, yeah. um, do a bit of export and stuff like that. But yeah, um, the the great thing about direct to consumer sales and everything being online is that you can mm. track every single metric you mm. think of. And yeah. so you've you've got so much data to be able to mm. trawl through and go. If you say, hey, yeah. what, what's your biggest target market? Mm-hmm. Well, it's this versus that. Is it, you know, men, women, or other? You know, it's bang, yeah. bang, bang. These are the people, and you and yeah. you tweak the business.
1: And when it's your it online thing, you can look at what time they're buying and how yep. much they're buying, what time of year. Somebody yep. actually asked me recently in a talk I was doing, like, you know, all of these marketing things and stuff that we have to do as a business owner, like, where should we have a database, like a um, mm. an app or, you know, outsource or whatever. And I was like, yeah, my advice was like, keep it as close as possible. Yeah. Because I think that's the beauty of a startup is that you can watch the data and make quick, fast decisions based mm. on what you're seeing.
2: Yeah, and look, you know, a lot of people say that past, past, past history isn't an indicator of future success, but there's mm. so many indicators in the past in 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 business, whether it's small or large, mm. that. the the past successes and the past failures are an indication of Mm -hmm. how you can succeed in the future. Like I know Jeff Bezos, Mm. love him or hate him for whatever Mm -hmm. he's done, you know, he's launched this insane business and, you know, I'm sure he was tearing out his hair. It's probably why he's got none. Um, (laughs) You know, when launching launching Amazon and um, he, I saw a talk with him the other day saying that um, he, when, when he, when Amazon stock plunged from a hundred dollars to $6 pretty much overnight, Mm. you know, he was, he wasn't stressed because he watched all the numbers and he watched all the metrics Mm -hmm. and he knew all the numbers within the business. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, the, the, the health of the business isn't reflected in the stock price. I mean, we're not on a stock exchange obviously, but you know, if you know your numbers and you know, and you've got, and you, and you know where the destination is, Mm -hmm. you can kind of tweak your business along the way. To, well to, it's to inevitable
1: there. that there's gonna be the ebbs and flows. And like I think mm. I'm seeing this a lot right now with businesses in um yeah, people freaking out about like, you know, there's a lot of especially in Australia, there's you know, a fear around, you know, prices of price of living and I don't know. I haven't seen this lettuce, $13 thing yet. I'm, I went to the farmer's market and paid $6. Um, but you know, like you see, I mean, and I think I've been reflecting on it because obviously I'm doing a lot of business coaching and hearing people's fear of, wow, it's been really slow and should I get a, a job or should I do something else? Or what, you know, what do I do? And people freaking out and, you and uh, it's that realization that like life ebbs and flows like, yeah. and it's about actually if you freak out in the lows, it's because you haven't done enough preparation for the future, you know, mm. in in the highs. Yeah, um, totally.
2: And look, in saying that, I still work full time. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I'm the GM of a of a restaurant group in Melbourne, yeah. so I work full time and run the business full time, and
0: yeah.
2: you know, I'm up at the, you know before everyone else and I go to the warehouse and I pack the orders that come in overnight yeah. and I send them and then I go work full time and then I come home yeah. and work on the business late, late night. And, um, yeah. you know, cause I freak out and I don't yeah. take a wage out of the business because, yeah. you know, for me, it's all about, you know, making sure the business is here for the future and yeah. there's no point pulling money out of it. Now it needs to all go back. Yeah. in.
1: I love that you shared that because I have two, two things is like, actually there's a brand that i experienced and have known for a very long time and you know i know the origin story of the brand because i know the founder and they've had incredible success their product and everything they do is still amazing i did a big order through them the other day and i got my package and uh, actually it's happened with a few brands of late and there's not there's it's your package. Like it's, you can tell that somebody in a warehouse has picked it off a shelf and, and fulfilled Mm -hmm. your order. And I had that moment of being like, I miss the handwritten note. Like I miss somebody actually saying, thanks for your order. Like I really appreciate it, even if it's typed. And, and so it's, I love to hear that because it does make a difference. And I, and I put it up on my fridge when you sent it. And my partner was like, how cute's his note? And it was, I think,
2: User, user experience, it, mm. whether you're developing an app or a website or, you know, it's an unboxing experience. Like, mm. like Apple is a really good example of that. Mm. Like Apple's products aren't any better or worse than any other people's products. Mm. But when you get yeah. it in your yeah. hand and you open, of course, it's not packed mm. personally for you, but when you get it and you open the box and the, the way like the iPhone case just slips out under its own mm. kind of vacuum and it goes at the end and you're like, oh, it feels really good. We try to replicate that kind of unboxing mm. experience for people because it's the things that they remember, like the wine, you know, for some people, they might drink it and they go, oh yeah, like it's good, but it's not like amazing or whatever, but it's the whole experience. Mm. It's the ordering process. Is the website easy to use? You know, yeah. when you get it, you know, is there a handwritten note in it? You know, is mm. it wrapped in like a nice tissue paper that's branded, making sure that there's, you know, everything yeah. about the experience makes you feel luxe.
1: Yeah. And I think that's something i've I've done a podcast on the customer experience before, and it's like you know everyone freaks out about social media following and you know ad spend and all of this stuff. and it's like, Let's not underestimate the power of a human emotion. Mm. Of when they un- they've spent their hard-earned dollars on it, you know. Like I, it, I don't know if anyone else is like this, but since COVID, I'm obsessed with tracking parcels. Like <laughs> it's as like so just, I,
2: as soon as I buy something, i and I get a tracking number. I'm like track it. Where is it? Why is it left yet?
1: <laughs> Honestly, if I don't get a tracking number, I'm just like where's my tracking number? Because it's like it co- yeah. during COVID, it was like, yeah. that was the highlight of where's my parcel. <laughs> I saw actually funny yeah. meme that um, I've not actually, I need to go back and find it, but it stayed in my head of this person like screaming out the car window. And it was like, the meme was like, um, when you placed an order an hour ago or like you yeah. know, five minutes ago and like a, a yeah. delivery car goes past, you're like, where's my order?
2: Yeah, I like the, the same one with the guy peering through the blinds in the window is like, where's my order five minutes later?
0: Like. <laughs> and know, it's because- true. And
2: like we... Like, I mean, lockdown's heinous and terrible on everyone, but, Mm. you know, it was great for the business because nobody had anything Mm. better to do than sit at home and order boxes of booze. Right. And so every time in Melbourne, a lockdown ended, I was like, no, I want more sales. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but But yeah, I
1: think back to that point, it's like, you know, what you, if you buy something we have, you know, and I think there was a moment because, you know, I've been in business for seven years before, maybe even longer, I've been trying to figure it out, but, um. You know, where online sales weren't um as popular because it wasn't the instant gratification. Mm. Whereas I think we've we've come to be like, yeah, if I buy something online, I'm happy waiting for it because I get all of these tracking updates. Yeah. And then, you know, you by the time it arrives, it's this like it's an extended joy period. Yeah. And so yeah. when you open it and the founder has written you a personal note, you're like, mm. oh, this brand really cares about my purchase.
2: Yeah, totally. And mm. like sometimes it's like the, like the, the like, you know, the, I mean, I'm going to say that we, you know, doing heaps of orders every single day or whatever, you know, there's days, there's weeks yeah. where we go, where we don't make any sales online yeah. and then all of a sudden something will happen and someone will see, some, some, someone will see something online and mm. we'll get a couple of orders all at once. But, you know, like, it can take like even writing 10 notes or 10 cards is the Mm. longest part of the process,
0: Mm. you know,
2: like heating up the glue gun and then, and then, uh, you know, writing all the notes out and then checking the name. Have you spelt the name right? All these little things. It's it's super important. And then like to go, I mean, you touched briefly on like um, the, you know, people get obsessed with social media and content and things like that. And um, one of the most powerful things that I've seen through, through tracking our numbers is that user-generated content mm. is so powerful and people take mm. photos of the unboxing experience. People take mm-hmm. photos of the box and the note and whatever and yeah. they post it up. And, yeah. you know, if that's not, you know, an indication that people appreciate it, then, yeah.
1: yeah. And I think that's like, you know, going back to the fact that I was drawn to your product because as per scene in here, uh, <laughs> in our studio, yeah. um, is you know, it. you've obviously spent time and energy and, you know, I've seen some of your new designs around mm. these colors that pop and stand out in and amongst yep. all the glass bottles and mm. it draws you to it. And I think it's a really good example for people considering where to spend their money when starting a business is, yeah. you know, for example, if you're in, if your a product in a shop and you, it's, free marketing if you spend not free but like you maybe you spend a bit of extra time money energy on mm. making a beautiful unboxing experience or branding um then users will do the marketing for you
2: yeah one of the things that that, that i wanted when i spoke to the designer so the designer by the way his mm. name's jim grimway um and like a lot of things that come up with this business and the people i work with um he came through instagram Um, you know, just like we came through Instagram as well. And, um, and our, you know, now mutual friend, Sean's going to shoot our new content as well for the, um, for the, for the new range coming out later this year. But, um, I said to him that, um, so he started making the, making the boxes for us in 2020. Um, so this will be the third year that I've worked with him. One of the, one of the things I said was, um, I want someone to be able to walk into, a room, a house party, a bottle shop, a wine bar and see it in a fridge or a bench or somewhere and mm. go, that's a Gonzo Vino box. Mm. And to see it from across the room, even in, on, a, on a shelf of cask wine, mm. where now there's quite a few cool people making cask wine, but to go, that's exactly, like I mm. know the brand, I know what yeah. it is and for it to have a theme. Um, mm. And with a cask over a bottle, we've got so much more real estate to tell that story. Yeah, um, You know, like a, like a normal wine bottle is, you know, about – Nine centimeters wide,
1: that
2: mm-hmm. that box is eighteen centimeters wide. Yeah, so you've got so much more real estate shelf in a bottle shop to be able to tell yeah. tell your story, and it's like you said, it's pretty much free marketing. Like you're stealing shelf space yeah. from other bottles. Yeah, um, which is awesome.
1: And I think also, yeah, the the use of color and patterns, and you know, it's standout. It's like, mm. for, yeah, I'm the user experience that was like, this brand suits this brand. And so then, you know, piece them together and they, you know, yeah. they complement each other and you can you can almost connect the dots easily. Yeah. You know, you can see where it belongs. You can see who else mm. would like it based on that.
2: Yeah. And look, we're definitely going after a certain target market. You know, mm. our our major def- demographic is, you know, 24 to 34 and mm-hmm. women make up about 60% of, of the sales.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's,
2: um, and that's the numbers fed through from the website and the last social mm-hmm. marketing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so we, we, you know, we make the wine specifically for that target market. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, and we, we make them light, bright, fresh, fun, easy yeah. drinking, um, fairly yeah. smashable. They're not overly serious. Yeah. You know, they're good to take to a park. They're good to take to a, you know, yeah. pretty wild dinner party. If you're going there <laughs> and you know, like they're not, they're not meant to be taken seriously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think the packaging needs to have that kind of same irreverence mm. to it. You know, like yeah. there's no, you know, I wouldn't want to make wines that are, you know, irreverent in their in their drinking style and then have a box brand, like a the branding on the box be, you know, mm. old school and stoic and a bit kind of yeah. you know, you know, whatever. So we go you Boon know fine loud, bright. <laughs> yeah. And we yeah. make it a bit vintage, make it a bit kitschy, make it a bit yeah. nostalgic and um
1: you know, it seems to be working for you us. Know. I think I had, I had a friend years ago, like very early on in my business, and he was opening a, a new restaurant space and he was talking to me about it and getting some tips. And I was like, you need like, this was like, honestly, years ago. And, um, and I remember saying to him, like, we're in an age now where what's the Instagrammable thing in your restaurant? Now, you know, like yeah. people are they want to get yeah. the shot in front of the neon light or the totally. you know the toddy's bread or you know, yeah. like that yeah. thing. So yeah, it's yeah. it's a it's a big factor. Like, you know, yeah.
2: I worked for I've worked for so many restaurants over the years and you know, really, really great ones and you know, world famous and yeah. hotel brands that are that are, you know, insane. And every single one of them have one of these Instagram walls or they have yeah. something. And yeah. you know, just because we're making yeah. a single product wine in a box
0: yeah. doesn't mm-hmm.
2: mean, you know, you, you should skip out on that experience either.
0: Yeah, for sure. Mm. And I think
1: in the age of of influences and, you know, people getting, I think like I read an article the other day about like there's, as consumers we're getting more and more sceptical of, you know, there was a report that said the marketing trends for 2022 And it was talking about, you know, we're we're skeptical of um, fake news and bots and inauthentic brands that don't have a face behind them and all of these things. And I think that's where user-generated content comes in because it's like you can pay an influencer as hundreds of thousands of followers or you can make sure that like the person with 300 followers but like 100 of them are highly engaged, take a photo and tell everyone to buy it. You know? Yeah, engagement's the
2: massive thing. Engage, mm. like, yeah. We we had this discussion in in with this restaurant group I work for, and obviously it's mm-hmm. not gonzo related, but you know we were talking about um you know do we do influencer marketing for the venues mm-hmm. you know during winter because it's quiet and you know bookings down mm-hmm. and whatever and um I just and I said to them I was like you don't need like we don't need to you know you fork out mm-hmm. all this cash and user generated content has so much trust mm-hmm. behind it mm-hmm. because it's real. Yeah. And it's quantifiable. Like sometimes influencer marketing is so yeah. unquantifiable in its success rate. Like mm-hmm. I can't tell unless you use a an affiliate code through yeah. your order to get a discount. I can't track where you've come from. Yeah. Um and it's yeah, it's a it's a difficult mm. one, you know, and like sometimes yeah, I you see it's... a little bit of a blip and a spike in sales, but yeah. From that. Yeah, uh, I
1: think the trust is changing. Anyway, I want to get back to you because there was a, when you talked about working full time, I'm really, I want to hear your, because you're in the thick of it and it's been a while since I was there. And I got asked this question tonight on a master class <laughs> that I had to run. And somebody said, How do you find the energy and the inspiration <laughs> and the motivation to work on a side hustle when you get home from your nine to five? So,
2: the, the- the big thing is, and it sounds really corny and almost like a bit Simon Sinek, is like, <laughs> um, you got to find what you love. Yeah. You know, and yeah. like, you know, I think mean, Gary Vee says it all the time. Like, it doesn't matter what else you got going in your life. If you want to be happy and you want to succeed mm-hmm. in anything, you got to do, you got to work in the industry that, that you love. Mm-hmm. I loved hospitality and mm-hmm. I still do. And I love wine. And Mm -hmm. I loved being a sommelier, but I just don't have the energy to do that at the high level that I was at Mm -hmm. all the time. And so I rejigged my life. I built a business, built a brand. It's still the passion of the wine. It's still, Mm -hmm. for the most part, customer-facing. All my love and passion and energy for that side of my life has just been channeled into Mm -hmm. a different medium. And that's Mm -hmm. making wine and running a box wine brand. Um, Mm -hmm. And the big driver for me is customer satisfaction and mm-hmm. making sure people get their orders on time and making sure mm-hmm. people when the people drink it, it's mm-hmm. delicious. And the boxes are really clean. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we talked about user experience, making sure like, you know, I want to mm-hmm. make sure that people have the best time ordering it and mm-hmm. just, just everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I don't mind getting up at five o'clock in the morning, driving to the warehouse, mm-hmm. packing 10 boxes and then driving to the train station, dumping my car and going to work. And Mm. I work from 8.30 to 7, something like that, Mm. you know, drive home Mm. on the email, answering, you know, queries online or whatever, because I'm I'm driven to make sure Mm. that that people enjoy the brand. Yeah. Um, And that's where the passion comes from.
1: Yeah. I love that. And I I was going to comment on that before, because like a lot of our interaction has been on Instagram and, I really love that it was, I was able to contact you through Instagram, mm. you know, and that it was a, you were online and it was a quick interaction and that we, you know, we got somewhere mm. quick. And I think like, yeah, again, I got asked that question of like, do you still run your Instagram? I was like, yeah, because it's really important yeah. to me to stay connected to what to what people need. And yeah. I think um, that's like, that's the customer experience stuff. That's the point of difference. And it's mm. like, you know, I think yeah. when when people ask for you know, th- there's a lot of people out there. I think that want to start businesses and say, you know, it's it's a saturated market or someone else is doing it or I'm not good enough or whatever.
0: Mm. But it's
1: like you know, this conversation is a perfect example because it's like cool branding, different, you know, not a bottle. It's a it's a cast, uh, mm. a personal experience, great, you know, customer experience that can be a point of difference, you know, that can really help you to stand out.
2: Yeah. And I think instead of looking at the, if if you, how do you put it? I guess if you're looking to start a brand and you're into Mm -hmm. like makeup and beauty, you know, that is a saturated market. I think wine Mm -hmm. saturated beauty, how many billions Mm -hmm. of a market that is 40 billion or something as a market. Mm -hmm. And you think, Oh man, if I, I, I'm, into makeup I do makeup tutorials online yeah. you know maybe I want to have like a little thing homegrown in Melbourne and just do mm-hmm. like you know a short line of whatever it might be how am I ever going to break into the market or whatever mm-hmm. for me all I needed to do was look at the brands that frustrate the fuck out of me
0: mm-hmm. you
2: know and what do I what what do I hate about that experience yeah what's what's really like what's broken within this chain yeah. and then start writing it down and you go you know I hate that the ordering process online sucks. I hate yeah. that they're not using sustainable ingredients.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: I hate that it's $60 and mm-hmm. every time I twist out the lipstick or whatever, it's fucking broken or whatever. Yeah. And for me, you know, that was the same thing with wine, like forking out, mm-hmm. you know, top dollar for wines and they're subpar mm-hmm. and, you know, there's variation in the bottles or you're ordering it online and the bottles turn mm-hmm. up broken or
0: mm-hmm. like
2: on Instagram, you got a question about a particular thing and, Nobody mm-hmm. gets back to you for two days. and Or you, yeah. even worse, the thing I hate the most mm-hmm. is the automated response. Oh, yeah. You know, and I'm like, I just want to, uh, like, no, this is not the, I don't want to answer this. I don't want these questions. Yeah. I want to yeah. uh, <laughs> ask a specific don't thing. do
1: give me a survey. <laughs>
2: no, exactly. And, you know, like, I've even got um, a chat bot on my website that yeah. links directly to my phone. And if yeah. you get on the website and you ask me a question at 1 o'clock in the morning, I'll answer it. You know, <laughs> things like this. Um, because I want to capture the sale and I want people to have a great experience. Mm. And so you, if people feel like they can't start a high side side hustle in their particular thing, because Mm. it might be too saturated, too big, too hard, whatever, all you need to look at is the brands that suck.
0: Mm. Mm. And
2: just pick one thing out of each of them and and, and do yeah. better.
1: And I think that's that. going back to like what's your experience as a consumer because most of the time if you're having a frustrating experience, other people are as well, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so then it's to go out and test that. Mm-hmm. And I think also like, I don't know, I'm here to hear your response, but it's like when you've got that vision and that passion for wine and the brand and how you're doing it differently, it's almost gives purpose to going to the nine to five, right?
2: Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. the part of the nine to five, I I didn't like I didn't have a nine to five for a while. And then there were some things that were coming up within the business, and I was like, mm-hmm. you know, and this opportunity to do something, it was gonna cost quite a bit. And I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, oh, you know, make the business struggle, or do mm-hmm. I just you know, because this this me going back and working nine to five is mm-hmm. a relatively new thing, a couple of months. And mm-hmm. um I was I was like, man, I want this for the business. So i just mm-hmm. just suck it up and you yeah. just do it, make some extra cash. You might be tired, but mm-hmm. financial stress is the worst stress. Mm-hmm. You know, that kill yeah. that can kill you. That's insane stress. And I was like, I'd rather be tired. And rather than financially stressed because I want this for the business. Yeah. Know? I don't want it for myself. Like I yeah. want it for the business and I want it you know.
0: Yeah. So
2: I think, um, I think it, you know, and maybe this is a little bit of a toxic attitude, but if you want it bad mm-hmm. enough, like you just you just yeah. do it.
1: You well that was it. my that was exactly my advice. So I'm glad it's I'm still relevant. Um, yeah. which is yeah, if, how bad do you want it? Because yeah. I think that was what drove me when I started mm-hmm. out. It was like I had one day a week. And then weekends and night times. And it was yep. just like I couldn't wait to get home and work on my business. And totally. Think, and it doesn't have to be yeah. a big
2: business. Like if you yeah. want, to, you know, if you think oh, I'm working full time, you start something, you know, start a business with one SKU or yeah. outsource as much as you can. Yeah. You know, yeah. like if you need a virtual assistant, get a virtual assistant. If you need mm. third party logistics, get third party logistics. And yeah. you know, if you can afford it, but you know. Start small. I
1: I think maybe, and I don't know what, and you don't have to tell us, but like, you know, that when you go, okay, I can invest in this business and, you know, and and take it here. It's like, you've also done enough work, obviously, of where you want the business to go and do. Mm. So it's like, and I think this is a really important thing for people to consider. It's like, what is the outcome or the return on investment of it? And so Mm. when you know, okay, if we invest here, we have the potential to go here. It might feel like I'm taking a step back, getting back into the nine to five, but yeah. it's actually eventually will, you know, any sort of investment mm. in your business often feels like a few steps back because yeah. you have to, you know, invest. And, Especially and when you're so not flush with
2: cash, you know, yeah. like we don't have any, like, you know, we don't have any financial support, you know, yeah. there's not, you know, like a big rich, you know, Venture capitalists sitting behind us going, Hey, mm. whatever you want, you can have it. And you know, there's yeah. a new filling line and a bottling line and whatever. Yeah. Like, um, you know, investing in the business in the right places is really, mm. really smart. Yeah. Like, but our biggest investment um, was buying a filling machine. And mm. prior to that, we were filling them with filling the bags with mm. um, a jug and mm. a scale. You know, I'm sitting there with a jug and you're pouring it, and yeah. whatever. And, and it took uh 12 hours to fill 600 liters of, of bags yeah. and you know mm. now we do a thousand liters an hour and yeah it's so much better and you know you spend the money and yeah pre- you know they basically took all the money out of the business for to do that yeah. but um it meant yep. down the track that you mm. know you're more efficient with your filling there's more consistency Um, you know, and it's also
1: that question of where is your time best spent? Your time isn't best spent filling bags, your time is best spent getting stockers or making online sales or writing personalized cards, you know. Yeah, and it's so it's like, yeah, and I think that's a really good tip of like, yeah, when you are going to invest in the business, Mm. knowing the outcome of it, you know,
2: yeah, yeah, fully.
1: Yeah. Hey, so we um we diverged, diverged, but um where so we we were at the five hundred mil. Um, oh yeah.
2: So it's there. an interesting. How did road. we
1: transition to three liters?
2: <laughs> yeah, but there's quite a big thing in the middle there. Yeah. So in saying all of this for how yeah. long that we've been going on. <laughs>
1: 42 that minutes is... and 19 seconds. What was it, sorry? <laughs> 42 minutes and 22 <laughs> seconds.
2: <laughs> um, so, after the 2018 500ml bag stand up pouch disaster, <laughs> yeah. um, I, by the time I'd sold it all, yeah, it was almost time to make the 2019s. Like, we were ready to pick fruit yeah. and plan, and you know, like, you know, I'm like, I haven't even bottled my 2022s now. Mm-hmm. I boxed my 2022s and I'm already planning 2023. Yeah, We're already a year in advance. And I mm. and back then I was doing it like as we were picking fruit and I had no idea what I was doing or what I was going on. Mm. And I had just been traumatized by selling these wines in these pouches.
0: Mm.
2: And I was like, what am I going to do? Spoke to the winemaker. And the winemaker was totally against me putting it in pouches or whatever. And he's like, yeah. just put it in a bottle. And yeah. I was like, and, it, and I caved and I did. And I totally mm. went against the whole thing. Because we haven't touched on it, but the one of the major major reasons for putting them in pouches or bags or whatever is the environmental benefit over glass. Mm -hmm. Like they're so so much more environmentally friendly than glass Mm -hmm. bottles. Putting them in Mm -hmm. the bags and the boxes, and so I cave and I put them in glass bottles and I put gave them to a distributor and Mm -hmm. he sold them all for me and it sold really well and people Mm -hmm. loved it. But at the end of the day, I was like, man, I'm not doing bottles again. I can't do bottles. Like I sold out the idea and. Whatever, and so it's like a little bump in the road, and um, I was kind of beating myself up for quite a while about like selling out the vision. Yeah, but at the end of the day, you know, it's a lesson you learn, and um, you know, we made good money out of it, and people like the wines. Um, Mm -hmm. and and but it did also internally bolster this idea, and that that cask wine and alternative packaging is where I want the brand to be. And then so from twenty twenty. Um, if we fast forward straight through 2019 because it's not really Gonzo Vino because it was
0: bottles,
2: (laughs) um, I've just said like Gonzo Vino is from 2020 a cask wine only brand. And as far Mm -hmm. as I'm aware, we're the only sole wine brand in the country that only Mm -hmm. make cask wine Mm -hmm. in the range. Mm -hmm. Like we don't do any bottles anymore at all. We make some fizzy wine in can, which Mm -hmm. is super delicious. Um, But from 2020, I was like, no boxes only, yeah. um, and then decided on large formats. So we did three mm-hmm. liters, four yeah. bottles equivalent, um, great for a picnic, great for a party, great for a backyard. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it allows like some people don't drink red, some people don't drink white. Yeah. And if you're in a household and you're always arguing over what you want or buy at the bottle shop, I yeah. mean, I have heaps of people send me a DM and go, hey, I like white, they yeah. like red. Um, what do you recommend? We'll get one of each. And so mm. I DM them back and I oh, this one's really nice. That one's really nice. What do you like yeah. to drink? What do you recommend? Blah, blah, blah. Mm. And people sit there for a month. And you can mm. drink these wines over a month and just have one mm. glass, one glass, one glass, one glass. And yeah, um, and that's what I wanted out of it. And from 2020, I was like, this is it. This is yeah. the year, cast wine only forever.
1: Mm-hmm. And did the sales and the everything go okay? Because it's like it's it's interesting to me also because it's like it also proves the point that like part of a lot, maybe perhaps a lot of your business is recalibrating people to the cast wine, you know.
2: Yeah. It's hard. Like in, yeah. in saying that, like it it is hard to recalibrate people into mm-hmm. cast wine because we'd done pouches. Mm-hmm. Then we flipped to bottles. The brand was kind of, you know, undefined in mm-hmm. the market and where it was. Yeah. And so I was determined to to solidify what the brand is in the market because yeah. I was like, people people, people must be confused. I'm confused. Yeah. I don't even know what yeah. it is. And yeah. so I engaged a, a digital marketing team and mm-hmm. um, and sat down with them. And we talked previously about putting money in the right place. Yeah. And I said, I don't have a lot of cash. This mm-hmm. is what I've got. This is what I want to achieve. This yeah. is how much I've got to sell. Let's come up with a plan. And we sat down and we said, okay, what is your brand? What do you mm-hmm. want? What's the story? What's the message? What yeah, are you selling? Cool. How is it different? And from that point, it was kind of like, this is like the era of serious business gonzo and going,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, carve out the niche, tell
0: mm-hmm. the story
2: properly. Um, don't falter. Don't waver. Like that's, yeah. this is what, this is, this is who we are and this is what we do. And sales were awesome. Straight mm-hmm. out of that, like straight out of yeah. the gate, like sales were great. The response yeah. was really good. The feedback was good. Awesome. Um and we never looked back at the bottles or those Mm. bloody bags
1: (laughs) yeah i mean i love that because then it's also a great place to round up is like it's it's the evolution of the brand and you know like it's Mm. the just starting getting out there taking the feedback maybe kind of caving it's okay to have that failure but like checking in with what you really want to do And why you started, yeah. and then yeah, not being afraid to be like, no, nah, we're going to stick to our guns here, and mm-hmm. and this is going to be our niche, and yeah. and then it's all, like I remember that maturity level for me in my business too, when I was like, I got really clear around like, okay, we educate, we inspire, and we grow creative entrepreneurs, and we tell mm-hmm. our personal startup story, you know, because yeah. I was like, there was a point where I was like, I'm going to do this and that, and, right. yeah. and um, somebody yeah pulled me into line and was like get clear on what you do because otherwise your audience can't transact with you because they're like, yeah. what do you do? You know? And as soon yeah. as they ask that question or um, yeah. well, they're confused by it. So yeah, I think it's a really beautiful example of like, it's okay to get in the game and learn, you know, mm. in the game yeah. and, yeah. um and refine your idea based on what feels right for you. And, yeah. then, and now I, you've got a platform, right? And I just
2: recognize that like there's, there's, so many people that, and everything costs money in business, mm. you know, it's like you people who do start a business, you learn nothing's yeah. free, except the fruit in my first vintage spot. <laughs> but,
0: uh,
2: but, but, um, it, like, like, getting this digital marketing company to help me define my business and sit down mm-hmm. they've done it, you know, thousands of times before was awesome. And then, you mm-hmm. know, I got a copywriter in Melbourne. She was epic yeah. uh, with her crew and they their process to get the copy on the website and the description yeah. for the wines, right, was awesome. And, you know, they mm-hmm. broke down the business in a way that I could never have even
0: mm-hmm. considered
2: like how you would do that. And they gave me yeah. these like homework exercises on it. And what about yeah. this? And what about that? And if someone was to take your product to a party, how would they describe your product yeah. or to a friend and all these little things and all, and like all these little lessons, I don't remember all of it, but all these little things um, helped shape where we are mm. at the moment. And mm-hmm. I love that. And, and just yeah. making sure that like, I'm really willing to um, give up a lot of control to mm. people who know more like mm. like we're t- i'm talking to, to Sean about these photos that we're shooting this year and she sent me an email mm. and was like hey what do you want to do let me know how you want the photos to look and blah 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 and i just emailed her back and i was like you're the photographer yeah you tell me yeah. i don't really care you shoot cool mm-hmm. photos you tell me what it should look like this is what yeah. i want out of the end of, at the end of the day yeah. but you're the pro, like you tell me. And I
1: love that because it's like, you know that your product is good and you've done what your field of excellence is. And now it's about getting the right people in. And I think that's Mm. also another really great example of like, you know, reinvesting. And even though you, you know, like what, four or five years into the business? Yeah, yeah.
2: You know, it's like,
1: you're still reinvesting and you're still honing your idea and and Mm. nailing it. And I think it's all, yeah, those injections to help it, give it a long lasting legacy. You know, it's like, I remember my business partner who helped me with my magazine years ago and I was so stressed about the deadline kept getting pushed out and, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, it was so worked up. And I remember she said to me at the time, you know, we're wanting to build something that lasts, you know, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. anything that lasts isn't, you know, a quick, fast, quick, throw it out, you know. And it really helped me to be like, yeah, like I want to build a solid foundation and yeah. and doing the extra work and spending the money and doing it right and setting mm. yourself up. And sometimes that feels like you've got no money in the bank because you keep reinvesting, but yeah. you're actually creating the foundation to then springboard off for the next 5 to 10 years.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I was conscious that when we were looking at moving the business, like, yeah, no, well, not moving it, but wanting the business to be Pretty much direct consumer only. Mm-hmm. That um, uh, oh, I mean, thought just gone straight out of my head. Yeah. We talk, what I uh-huh. say? Uh, um, no, what
1: no, no you're good. Um, like the building a foundation and investing, and you know, like uh, get, yeah,
2: and I was right, and just surrounding yourself with the right people. Like yeah. we were. Um, I can't remember how what I was gonna. It's gone straight That's out of right.
1: my head. I, I have a. That's I right. have a my my favorite final question for you. Yeah, go for which it. Which is unless your great advice comes back. But <laughs> somebody, <laughs> looking to start, <laughs> um, somebody looking to start their own brand, business, label, um, what's your number one piece of advice?
2: Oh, man, it's hard. Like it's really hard not to be cliche in this moment, mm-hmm. but you do need to pick something that you can explain to a three-year-old mm. as, as your topic, as your subject, because and, and that they can tell somebody else.
0: So mm. that
2: it's like, uh, you know, it's, it, it shows that you understand the, the industry that that you're really passionate about and it yeah. shows that, you know, you understand it at its core level. You know, mm. like if, some, if you're going to go, oh, I'm going to start this business and we might do this, we might do that, and it's kind of like this and it's a bit... Like it, it, it's so wishy-washy. Like, and I think people need to really kind of focus on, um, on on a true love, you know, yeah. and to 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 get it going. Like, if someone has no, like, no interest in sneakers and wants to get rich quick on a sneaker brand, like, it's going to be a struggle because the mm. love's not going to be there. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think find find your love, find the passion. Yeah. that's yeah, the most cliche, yeah. but it's no. true.
1: It's no, true. I like it. I love it. And I love the idea of explaining it to a three-year-old too because I haven't actually had that. So, now, yeah. it. <laughs> Congratulations. And Thanks. like, well done for going through all the ups and downs of all of it. And um, yeah, and just investing in yourself and your vision. And, and I'm so excited yeah. for what's to come. When's the Thanks new so range much. out?
2: Yeah, the new range will be out um, hopefully middle of September, barring any yep. issues. But it's going to be the biggest, the best. The most delicious, the craziest branding, Um, the best photos this year. It's going to be awesome. So, yeah, Um, um, keep an eye out on social media. That's where all the new releases go out through. And um, awesome. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. But thanks so much for the opportunity. It's been great.
1: Congratulations. No, thanks for being here.
2: (laughs) That's right.